Today on The Daily Charge, the Huawei Mate X finally arrives in China. Quantum supremacy, what's that? And one month in with the Nintendo Switch Lite, is it still worth it? Welcome to The Daily Charge. Today is Wednesday, October 23rd. I'm Roger Chang. And I'm Scott Stein. Here are today's top stories. The Nintendo Switch Lite has been out for about a month, and Scott's been living and breathing this console. Scott, what's it been like using the Lite? And you know, are you able to forgive it for some of the trade-offs for the the older or the, the larger, more complete Switch? Uh, I'm having a hard time with that. And I just said in a video today, uh, here it is, and I've been commuting with it. I really, really wanted to make the Switch Lite the main system. But mm. Nintendo never really intended for that to be the case. And the problem is that, as I had thought would be the case, you have to switch to a new mindset with the other Switch. So now this is handheld only, and that's totally fine. And I really love the hardware if you're going to be using this just as a kind of sequel to the 3DS, yeah, uh, yeah. playing its own games. But the whole idea of the Switch was to be versatile and flexible, and so you're losing the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And I still miss that with my kids at home connecting it to a TV. That's the multiplayer element because you're not going to gather around a small screen. Right. I mean, that functionality is why it's the Switch. Right. And when you lose that functionality, is it really is it really a Switch? No. And it's and you're losing same room multiplayer, which is the which was the whole cool thing. We play yep. Smash Brothers, play Mario Kart. The second thing that's really annoying, and it really started to to dig at me, is the whole way that Nintendo handles its shareable downloadable games mm. or non shareable downloadable games. Right. If you have a game card, if you have a whole bunch of game cards, you're fine. But if you happen to download from the from the eShop which I do and a lot of people do, those get locked to one account. You can set up a second switch that only plays them in an online state. Huh. So you have to authorize online to do that. Right. But then that second switch cannot have any other player accounts on it. Right. That's the so you end up with this like and that's weird. the selling point for some of these cloud services like Apple Arcade, right? The idea that like you have one account and you can share those games across multiple devices. That's yes. something Nintendo hasn't been able to really get behind no or they've done this kind of weird halfway step that's yeah. a bizarre nintendoification of their of their shared games that kills the idea of making this a second system for people who have the first system mm. you can do it but you're going to have to be living by very particular weird rules and even the sharing of cloud save games which not all the games do but most right. of them do you it doesn't automatically do you have to go check back in the subfolder in settings and see if you have to make sure you re-download the last save from the previous one mm-hmm. and resolve them so ugh, it's it's frustrating <laughs> i love it for commuting yeah um and I frankly for me like the switch i almost only play the switch on my commute at this point that's then the this could be for you but if you had any any plans to do games with kids or to do things like uh, yeah. fit adventure yeah uh the fitness game that just came out or any of the weird things like lab and that, that, else that is a solitary experience with the original switch you can take the joy cons out you could have two players play yeah. at once right well and also then you can um repair in a sense uh, or not repair but you could swap out the controllers yeah. when they get worn down you yeah. can buy new controllers right. and do that now you're stuck with everything that's on here you can pair controllers on bluetooth but there's no kickstand there's no right you'd have to prop this up there's no video out and I think that Nintendo needs to stay true to the idea of what the Switch is. I think the one problem with this, it, it, it sure kind of makes sense, but if they drift too much, then I think you lose the appeal of the system for a lot of people. Gotcha. So they have to play this kind of carefully, and I think really what I'd want to see is an updated version of this that simply does video out. You'd solve everything with that, 
and allow yourself to pair controllers. Okay. Well, after months and months of teases and delays, Huawei finally released its foldable Mate X phone, but only in China. The world's second largest phone maker sold Mobile Congress back in February when he unveiled this phone. It's a competitor to the Samsung Galaxy Fold, but like the Fold, it's been hit with a lot of delays. Um, what do you think, Scott? Is this a phone that, uh, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's like the opposite of the Fold. It folds outwards, the screen's on the outside. Yeah. Do you still care at this point? No, I don't care about folding phones right now because they're too <laughs> expensive right. and the software is not It's optimized. only $2,400. Right, go for it. Yeah. I, you can see from people who have been reviewing it, and I didn't get a chance to spend time with the Galaxy Fold, so keep that in perspective. Maybe if I used it, I would fall in love with it, but I don't think so based on everyone's right. uh, comments. Uh, I think that I would want to wait for the optimized software to come up with some really killer apps beyond just, oh, it's a bigger screen. Right, the right. cost is crazy, durability. That's um, a big question, particularly this one. These are all, by the way, all these foldable screens use plastic displays which right. mean they're easily scratchable which is why i think samsung had it sort of folded inward this is outside it's completely exposed all the time i had a chance to play with this a couple of times and it's impressive right. don't get me wrong folding it in and out it's super impressive the big screen's nice it's a full screen but i do wonder about the durability of some of these things i'm kind of interested in i mean then there's the microsoft approach or the or the you know the the two devices with the with the yeah. hinge yeah which is another valid approach and might be more durable. Uh, I, I think there's certainly something going on there. I think it's interesting, sure, for the future. Mm -hmm. But if you're thinking about what you would buy, this is well ahead of the curve in terms of anything affordable right. or mainstreamed in terms of software. And then people buy phones, like I feel like every three or four years, a lot of people, right. unless you're a ritual upgrader, first adopter. Um, it's cool for, for Huawei, and I think they've been leading the pack like Samsung on a lot of bleeding-edge tech. I think it's definitely something to watch, but it, it's stuff that I would not say is ready for people. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and keep in mind, like Huawei, obviously, the U.S., we kind of know them as this company that's controversially you know, tagged from, from the U.S. government as a security hazard. Yeah. That said, you know, uh, today they said that they shipped 200 million phones this year at a faster rate than they did a year ago, so... Mm. Doesn't seem to be stopping them too much. Well, I mean, Huawei, I think, has, has in the past couple of years, has come up with really bleeding edge phones and technology yep. and has made a big mark with that. And so that will, that still remains regardless of that. And I think that, that, that puts them as a force to be reckoned with in the electronic space and already has. So yeah, for sure. That. All right. Lastly, forget regular old supercomputers. Google's released the results of its quantum computer and it blows everything else away. Google says its machine performed the same number of computations in 200 seconds that the world's fastest supercomputer would take 10,000 years to match. Uh, on with us on Skype is Stephen Shanklin, uh, who wrote who wrote up the story and is actually at a conference right now to discuss supercomputers. Shanklin, what what's the what, what's the significance of this announcement? Break it break it all down for us. Okay, so what we've got right now is a computer industry that's slowing down. Clock speeds on regular chips are not getting fast the way they used to, and it's been really hard to demonstrate that this year's phone or this year's PC is a lot faster than last year's phone or last year's PC. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of work going on right now in the computing industry to find something else. One of those big something else's is quantum computers. They are radically different from classical computers. Classical computers are what runs in your smartwatch or your PC or your phone or conventional supercomputer. So this is a very interesting, basically a research milestone, but one that points the way toward potential commercial use of quantum mm. computers. 
And uh, you you bring up the term quantum supremacy. What is quantum supremacy? Because that sounds like a Hollywood blockbuster movie. Yeah, it's a very catchy term. It sounds really exciting, but you have to be careful with it. All it means is that a quantum computer is not merely faster than a classical computer at something, but way, way, way faster. There's no way a classical computer could catch up. You're doing something Mm -hmm. with the quantum computer that you could only do with a quantum computer by virtue of its very different nature. Now, the reason you have to be careful is, although Google found something that its quantum computer can do faster, it can't do everything faster. It can't even do every quantum computing uh, uh, chore faster. So this is a narrow victory, but it's still an important one because uh, the researchers believe that it paves the way toward uh, extending quantum computing abilities so that it will be able to knock out more performance victories in the future and be able to do more types of work in the future, not just a science fair project like what we see today. And so just break it down for us. Quantum computing, I know traditional computing uses like ones and zeros. Quantum computing uses like a, a weird state where it's both ones and zeros at the same time. And like, how does that how does that make things go faster? How does that improve the, the computing horsepower? Yeah, you have a very strange world with quantum computers. It takes advantage of the very strange counterintuitive physics of things that happen at the atomic level. So instead of having a bit in a classical computer, which can store a zero or a one, in a quantum computer, you have a qubit, which can store both a zero and a one at the same time. And not only that, through another strange thing called entanglement, you can hook up these qubits so they're each connected. That means the state of each one can uh, have bearing on the state of, of all the other. If you look at any computer today, if you look at the physics of how it works today on a smartphone or a smartwatch or a PC, we're already in the sci-fi era. The engineering is going on at the atomic scale already. Yes, this is a whole other ballgame with quantum computing, but frankly, I mean, I talk to processor engineers a lot, and it's unbelievable what they have achieved already. So, I mean, personally, I find it astounding that even uh, conventional computers work, much less quantum computers. Are we anywhere near a phaser? No. Come on, how can you get that kind of energy density in something this big? Forget it. We'll see you tomorrow for The Daily Charge. I'm Roger Chang. I'm Scott Stein. Thanks for joining us. Can't get enough? Check out The Daily Supercharge, our extended post-show with special features, audience Q&A, and in-depth reviews. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.